The Four Noble Truths by Julie Kelly. The Four Noble Truths were the first teaching of the Buddha after he became enlightened. And what they do is they teach us about the eradication, really, of suffering in the world. Now, of course, these podcasts are from a Buddhist perspective, but you don't have to be Buddhist to listen to them. You see, Buddhism, particularly Tibetan Buddhism, encompasses all the faiths and all the religious beliefs. So really, it's just one perspective, but you can draw from it what you want to. So the Buddha was otherwise known and is otherwise known as the great healer or the great physician. Because really, like any good doctor, what he did was he diagnosed the root of sickness and then prescribed the cure. So first of all, I'm going to start with the first noble truth. So the first noble truth tells us that all life involves some kind of suffering. Now, there are many kinds of suffering in the world. For example, the pain of childbirth, that's a suffering. Um, Aging, when we don't want to lose our looks, that's a suffering. And actually the process of aging, the pain that we go through, the creaky bones and all of that kind of stuff. Sickness is suffering. Being separated from the ones we love is suffering. Now, that's really, really pertinent in today's society and today's world where we are suffering from separation because of lockdown with the coronavirus. And this is something many of us are going to look back on in a few years' time and remember, sadly or gratefully, the fact that they came through it. But nevertheless, it will contain some kind of suffering. And so this is what the first noble truth tells us. Now, really, that makes Tibetan Buddhism look like it's really miserable. It's all about suffering in the world. Especially if you're just starting to learn about Tibetan Buddhism. But it isn't the case. That's not the case at all. You see, we all suffer in some way or other. You, me, everyone. But the important thing is understanding why we suffer. What's at the root of it? Well, most of our time now is spent like grasping for things, isn't it? We're trying to hold on to our jobs. We're trying to hold on to our money. We don't want to lose that money because obviously if we do, we won't be able to pay our rent or mortgage and we'll lose our home. But there's also other kinds of grasping, you know, this competition that we have with each other. You know, the next door neighbour has a really flashy car, so we want one because we don't want to be seen with our old banger in the driveway. I mean, personally, I don't drive. But for someone that does, you have to keep up, don't you, with the Joneses? Because when you get that car, that's going to make you happy because you're going to be on an equal footing with them. And it's right, it does actually make you happy. When you get it, you're there and you stare at that lovely flash car. And it's the same with the latest iPhone and getting more money. Bigger and better things, you know. Even a bigger house. And what we do is we make ourselves physically sick. 
working all the hours God sends or saving up or taking out loans. Some people take out loans just to get these things that we know are going to make us happy. And when we get them, what happens? Within a year or a couple of years, we want something bigger and better. We want the next iPhone. We want the next biggest car. Maybe our partner that was gorgeous when we met them has suddenly got a few wrinkles. We want something better. Maybe we've got fed up of them and we think the grass is greener on the other side. So we start grasping again and chasing. So we spend all our time searching for happiness on the outside instead of looking what's on the inside, inside of us. You see, it's difficult to look inwards because when we look inwards, we don't like what we see. But by grasping outwardly, we become competitive and we lose our sense of love and compassion and that's what a lot of people have done in this day and age, now, right now. And that creates another form of suffering. But one thing's for certain, whichever religion or faith you follow, or whether you follow none at all, nobody wants to live like that. I mean, that's a fact. Nobody wants to live with this constant grasping, this constant feeling sick, having to get the money. So the root of suffering is ignorance, because we're ignorant to the fact that true happiness can't be found externally. It can only be found internally with what we already have. And don't forget the car that you once made yourself sick for to get because it was the best and the biggest. Remember that. That's what you fought for and now you want something better. And that proves that happiness is not found on the outside. And that's why we start losing our compassion because we start competing with each other. We're really ignorant to the fact that true happiness comes from within. So when we realize this, we can then start to cultivate that happiness on the inside. And we do that through bringing our mind into some kind of perspective. As Buddhists, we do it through meditation practice and loving kindness, thinking of others, more than ourselves because most of us unless we are incredibly poor we have more than enough to spare so everybody everywhere suffers really and that's that's the common bond that we all share isn't it we all suffer all sentient beings anything that's living and breathing will suffer at some time or other so that shows us we're all connected and we all identify with that. So surely it makes more sense to talk with each other, to open a dialogue about our human suffering. And then what that does when we start to talk and recognize each other's humanity, it starts to bring out our compassionate tendencies. And from that, we start to help each other. So this is the first noble truth. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you understand it. And if you want to ask any questions about it or you have any comments, please drop me an email at juliekellymail at gmail.com or you can contact me over on Facebook at Tenzin Dasal Julie Kelly or 
you can just inbox me and I'll answer you. But either way, please drop me a line. I'll be back soon with the second noble truth. Thank you. The Four Noble Truths by Julie Kelly. In the first noble truth, we talked about how the Buddha spoke of suffering and how suffering affects all life, no matter who we are. If we live and breathe, then we will experience some kind of suffering at some point in our life. And this is really because we seek happiness on the outside from external and material things. We talked about how we lose sight of the fact that happiness, true happiness, only comes from inside of us. And how chasing things and grasping things is only temporary happiness. It doesn't last because there's always something else that we need. So the second noble truth, we've already acknowledged that suffering is reality. So the second noble truth, it doesn't ask us to withdraw from the world and stop getting things that we enjoy. You know, we're not being asked to just take ourselves away, stop buying really nice things, stop spending our money. Because if we did this, what would happen? We'd just crave things even more. Many people who've, um, who are listening to this podcast will have tried diets. And this is a really, really good example. Because you start going on a diet and you cut out certain foods. You know, you can't have chocolate. You're having a good day. So you can't have chocolate. You're, this is a good day. And then what do you do? You sit there thinking about chocolate all day long. So to actually deny things is just being silly because it makes you crave them even more. So the second noble truth is focused mainly around the cause of suffering and understanding that nothing in this life is permanent. Nothing. If you can find anything in your life that's permanent, that's going to last forever, then please drop me a line. You know, my email address is always at the end of these podcasts. But in reality, everything, whether it's material, whether it's phenomenon, whether it's human or sentient, will all die or rot or expire at some time. And we know that because people are born. And from the moment we are born, we're decomposing, aren't we? We get wrinkled in old age. Our bones get weaker, we get shorter in height, and then we die. So we know that nothing is permanent. We've seen our cars break down, and we've seen so many things happen, haven't we? Like um, our children leave home when we thought they were there permanently, and we've seen all so many things. So we know that everything is interchangeable. So we know realistically that nothing in life is permanent. And because of that, we know that clinging on to things is futile because we know on the one hand it's not going to be permanent, so why cling to it as if it was? 
you know so whether it's material living and like i said even phenomena it will die or expire and there's nothing we can do about that really so in fact what the noble truth is asking and encouraging us to do is enjoy and love the things around us but without clinging without possessing or trying to grasp trying to manipulate everything to being what we want it to be because we can't because everything is interchangeable you see it's the actual clinging that brings about the suffering we love our partners and our children and our grandchildren and yeah we get fed up of them from time to time but we love them don't we unconditionally and because we love them like that you know if you've ever held your grandchildren or your children when they were babies you imagine they'll be here forever and then when they leave home or when our partner dies our lives fall apart our whole world crumbles you see that's because we thought they were forever we didn't realize that one day the the children would grow up and leave or our loved ones might leave or die and that's where the suffering comes from the second noble truth teaches us really subtly about the nature of impermanence about the fact that nothing is forever and when we can accept and understand that it kind of takes away that sense of pain because we love unconditionally but we know and we understand that one day this could end one day we are going to die and then we lose the fear of that because we accept that rather than seeing death as something fearful something gruesome it's actually part of the natural cycle of life we're born we live and then we die you know so suffering affects all of us when people we love die when we lose our looks you know when we're young we're all lovely and flushed and beautiful and we've got tight skin and we're really fresh and then we start to age and things start to get a bit saggy and we get a bit wrinkled and many people have plastic surgery and all kinds of things like liposuction to bring back their youth and what that does temporarily it makes us look a bit better but we're wrinkled we're old we're always going to be wrinkled now until we die so the fact is you can't bring back the youth we can't turn back that time but what we can do is accept the fact that we are going through the cycle of life our health will deteriorate you know i know people at 85 86 even 90 who are so physically fit they can run marathons and that's serious and i know 40 odd year old people who've got the most horrendous health problems so age isn't about anything really but it is part of the cycle of living and from time to time we do suffer and we do experience deterioration in our health when we can accept that and when we can accept the nature of impermanence then we take away that suffering we don't suffer as much and that's really the teaching of the second noble truth 
So if you have any questions about that or you'd like to comment, please drop me an email at juliekellymail at gmail.com and I will answer. Also, you can catch me over on Facebook on my page at Tenzin Dasal Julie Kelly. You can find any of my clips over on YouTube at Mind Medicine or you can just inbox me on Facebook. But whichever way you want to contact me, I will get back to you. Alternatively, I hope you benefit from this podcast and I'll be back soon with the third noble truth. Namaste. The Four Noble Truths by Julie Kelly So we've spoken about the first noble truth, which is the realisation of suffering. We spoke about the second noble truth, which is looking at the alleviation of suffering. So now we're going to look at the third noble truth, The third noble truth really focuses on the cessation of suffering, how to stop it, you know, how to get rid of this horrible feeling that we have inside when we're constantly grasping and we can't seem to find any resolve within ourselves. As I mentioned before in the other noble truths, many people make themselves physically sick and mentally unwell trying to keep afloat just because we are grasping for happiness on the outside and don't realise what we have on the inside. So the third noble truth focuses on stopping that suffering and that suffering happens really because of craving. So the cessation of suffering is the end of craving, the end of the grasping for things. All the suffering that we experience in our lives is, according to Tibetan Buddhism, and logic really, it's all caused by ourselves ultimately. You know, in effect, we are the cause of our own difficulties. We are the cause of all the suffering that happens in our lives. And yes, you might say, well, some things happen that are not our fault. They're not our concern. You know, we can't control the way things happen. And that's true. You know, that's true. There's no denying that. But what we can control is the way that we respond to these things. And that's the problem. You see, it's our response to things, our response. So we can change our response. So we might be the cause of our own difficulties, but on the other hand, we're also the solution. We can't change the things that happen, but we can change our response. Now, the Buddhist teaching of the Four Noble Truths, its aim really is solely to develop the reflective mind so we can let go of all the delusions that we have about what makes us happy and about this external fulfilling happiness that we think we will get. So it's all about letting go of delusion. And the third noble truth is about realising the path to end that suffering. Now, the teaching in itself, the four noble truths, 
is about letting go. It's about investigating our own ways of thinking. So, you know, when we sit, we, we're really good at procrastinating here in the West. And we've all done it, haven't we? We've all sat there with a glass of wine or a cup of coffee, usually a glass of wine with Westerners, and pondered over the meaning of life. Right, so we've got to ask ourselves the questions. For example, you know, why is it like this? Why is it this way? It's great to ponder, isn't it, over the mysteries of life? But really, deep down, re deep reflection is so important. You know, for example, how we reflect suffering, the nature of desire, the nature of that craving that we have, and its root. You know, where does it come from? And how is being attached to that desire suffering? Because when we're thinking about that big cow, when we're thinking about that bigger house and that pay rise, that's not suffering, is it? It makes us really happy. You know, we feel great when we've been promised a pay rise. But when we reflect that, you know, when we really think about it, that pay rise is temporary because if you're anything like me, I was on a really good wage at one time, but I spent just as much as I earned. So I was still always unhappy when it came near payday because I didn't have any money left. So that's suffering. Yeah, you know it's going to come in again, but don't, don't really get confused about the fact that you're also, you know, dispersable. You can be fired, you can lose your job just in a blink of an eye. So nobody is indispensable. So it's about reflecting these things. You know, it's, it's about really feeling them. And these insights can only come through reflection. They don't come through belief. They don't come through what we've been told or what we make ourselves believe. You know, it's, it's really an insight. And we, we get that insight and that reflection through contemplating and pondering. It's something very, very different, you know. It's, we have to improve our practice and develop openness to receive these insights. And they only come through the mind being receptive to teaching or at least recognising our own experiences as they happen realistically and not how we imagine that they happen. You know, like that craving things from external sources rather than internally. This state of mind is really important because it's the way out of suffering. You see, a mind with fixed views, thinking it knows everything, or a mind which just accepts what other people say as truth, it's not an open mind. It's just a mind that's filled with other people's ideas and we accept it and kind of subserviently go along with it because it seems easier and more sensible. But that's not an open mind. An open mind is when we experience the point of clarity within our own mind about what the truth is. And right now, in this situation of lockdown, you know, we've got the vaccine coming in. We've got people being separated from families. We have all kinds of different viewpoints coming at us, left, right and centre on social networking platforms. And we all have our own viewpoints about what's right. Some people believe that taking the vaccine is right. And some people believe that taking it is 
well, essentially killing themselves. But both roads believe they are right. And there is a really interesting quote from Tibetan Buddhism. I can't remember who made it now. But it is just because somebody is on a different road than us doesn't mean they're on the wrong road. Yeah? We have to experience a point of clarity. We can't take the views of other people and accept them as being right, even if they are the same views as we've got. We tend to think, oh yeah, I don't like the vaccine, so she says the vaccine's poison, she must be right. It's not always the case. We have to find that point of clarity within our own mind, make our own assessments of things. And it's only when we reach that point of clarity, and I'm not just talking about the vaccine, I'm talking about our life in general, to end that feeling of suffering. It only comes with clarity. So this is the third noble truth. My name's Julie Kelly again. If you want to drop me any comments or ask any questions about these teachings, please drop me a line, an email at juliekellymail at gmail.com and I will answer your email. You can catch me over on Facebook at Tenzin Dasal, Julie Kelly. You can also find some of my clips, uh, guided meditations and relaxation clips over on YouTube at Mind Medicine or you can just inbox me over on Facebook Messenger but I will get back to you. For now, I hope you found this podcast beneficial and I will be back with the final noble truth which is of course the fourth noble truth but for now namaste the four noble truths with julie kelly the four noble truths of course were the first teaching of the buddha after he found enlightenment in the first noble truth we talked about the reality of suffering and how suffering affects all our lives and how it comes about in the second noble truth we talked about acknowledging that and thinking about ways that we can alleviate or eradicate some of that suffering in the third noble truth we spoke about the path to the cessation of suffering the stopping of suffering and now in the fourth noble truth we've acknowledged and understood the nature of suffering you know what causes it and how to get rid of it so the fourth noble truth is about starting the journey embarking on that path that we know to be the right way now as i mentioned in the beginning these are the four noble truths of buddhism in tibetan buddhism we take these teachings very seriously but after saying that Tibetan Buddhism encompasses all faiths, all religions and even those who have no beliefs, they don't believe in anything. 
You don't have to believe in a faith or a religion to follow the teachings of the Four Noble Truths. But there's one thing for certain, when we follow these teachings, it does alleviate a great deal, if all, of our suffering. And if you've listened to the first, second and third Noble Truth, you'll understand how suffering impacts all of us in many different ways, and there are many different types of suffering. So I've only touched on the basics, although it goes much deeper than that, and you can read about that if you wish to online. But the Four Noble Truths is all about embarking on that journey, a journey of action, if you like, so like a skilled craftsman, you know, somebody that is really skilled in their craft, without the correct tools, you know, if they haven't got the right things to work with, the job's ineffective. You know, so this is why understanding the first three noble truths is vital. So the fourth noble truth is the path leading to the end or the cessation of suffering. And this path has a name. Okay, the name of this path is the Noble Eightfold Path. Now, I think in yoga, it's known as the Eight Limbs of Yoga. So there, there's different connotations of this path. But it's not only a path called the Noble Eightfold Path, it's also a prescription for true happiness. And like I mentioned before, the Buddha is also known as the Great Healer, or the great physician. And what he did, like any physician, you know, if you go to a doctor or a consultant with a problem, you expect that consultant to look into that problem, to give you scans, x-rays, to really examine what's wrong with you and then diagnose it. And after that, to prescribe the remedy to help you get over it. And that's exactly what the Buddha did with suffering. Okay, he examined meticulously the root cause of sickness and suffering in the world and then prescribed the cure. But instead of prescribing pills and tablets and portions like the modern day physicians and GPs, the Buddha prescribed only eight steps and this is what's known as the Noble Eightfold Path. So these steps are right understanding, right thought, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. So I'll just go through them briefly. Right understanding is basically understanding why we do something, understanding why we are behaving in a certain way. So it's okay carrying out altruism and being kind but understanding why we're doing that and also understanding the nature of suf suffering why we suffer so it's about really understanding the actions that we're taking right thought because when we think that influences the way we behave so when we experience something to really analyze it before we create that thought that is going to give us that sense to make a judgment, if you like. Right speech, trying not to gossip, 
trying not to be hurtful in the things that we say. We're all guilty of it. Nobody is perfect. I've done it more than most in anger. But it's about knowing how to curb that. It's about knowing how to bring that back and then correct it and not do it so much in the future. Right action. You know, what we do really impacts the world. It's a little bit like um, throwing a pebble into the water. Now, some people might think, well, something I do can't impact the world. And I know the Dalai Lama once said, His Holiness the Dalai Lama once said, if you don't think you can make a difference, if you think you're too small, try sleeping with a mosquito. And that really made me laugh because it's so true. I mean, there's nothing more annoying than mosquitoes, is there? And they make a massive difference. But this is about right action, doing things for the right reasons, right livelihood, making your living in the right way, not stealing things, you know, not thinking that you have an entitlement just because someone else has got something. It's about earning things. You know, and if we do go out to work, working in a moral way, with a moral compass, working in an ethical way, right effort, putting an amount of effort into making the world a better place, into making people happy, rather than to just satisfy ourselves. Right mindfulness, being mindful bringing ourselves into the moment before making decisions or getting ourselves into a mess or a tangle over situations that may not be as giant or magnified as we see them. And we need to bring our mind into perspective before we can see things that way. And the way we do that is through, through meditation because meditation helps us to bring a calmness into ourselves. So mindfulness and meditation go together. We need to bring ourselves into the present moment, but we can't do that until the mind is quiet. Because without a quiet, calm mind, we can never be totally present because the mind's all over the place and imagining all kinds of things and creating all kinds of dialogues. And that's what we call the monkey mind. We've all got it, we've all had it. And the last one, right concentration. Really focus and concentrate on what we are doing. You know, if we're going to try or we're going to bring about a sense of mindfulness, give it our full commitment. Somebody once said to me, Buddhism or Tibetan Buddhism isn't like a cafe, you can't pick and choose the bits that you want. And it's the same with alleviating suffering. We have to follow this eightfold path. Even if we do it in our own way, we have to remain focused. Otherwise, we don't get the true essence of it, the true nature of what it's about. So by embarking on this path, we don't avoid suffering and we don't deny the feelings of suffering. In fact, what we're going to do when we do start on this path is meet a lot of challenges. We'll definitely experience a feeling of suffering throughout this journey because we're making change. 
we're making a change to our lives and viewing things in a whole different way, viewing the world in a whole different way. And we will be presenting ourselves in a whole different way that people don't recognize. So we will experience these sensations as we go along the journey. We might even get ridiculed for it. But what will change is we'll be fully equipped for direct confrontation with it and for how it makes us feel in terms of suffering. And we will have the means to overcome it. So the Noble Eightfold Path is also called the Path of Living in Awareness. When we follow this path, we become aware of our strengths. We become aware of how to draw on those strengths. And we're also mindful of how to do it. So the foundation of living awareness is mindfulness. Because through mindfulness practice, we can develop concentration and a deeper understanding. So that's the fourth noble truth. If you have any questions or you want to drop me any comments about the teachings or anything you've heard, please contact me. Drop me an email at juliekellymail at gmail.com and I will get back to you. I'm not one of these people who leave emails. I will respond. You can get me over on Facebook at Tenzin Dasal Julie Kelly. You can drop me an inbox mail, you know, over on Facebook, an inbox message. Or if you want to look at some of my guided meditations or, you know, some of the relaxation clips I've got, you can catch me on the YouTube channel over at Mind Medicine. Whichever way you want to do it, whether you want to contact me or not, I hope you benefit from these teachings. And for now, I'm going to leave you. Namaste.